Hello, good people. Everybody be cool. This is a robbery. Any of you fucking pricks move and I'll execute every one of you motherfuckers. <laughs> Any of you fucking pricks move and I'll execute... Any of you fucking pricks move and, and I'll, I'll execute every one of you motherfuckers. No, and I'll execute every last one of it you. It doesn't say yeah. every last one. I know, one. but it's different in the movie. <sighs> That's right, people. This week on Nerd vs. Noob, we are doing Pulp Fiction. This podcast is a bit special because what we are trying to do is go through each of our three favourite movies and review them. And first up, it was Spanky's favourite Pulp Fiction. So, yep. I am your co-host, Sam Hurley, and I am joined, as usual, with our noob, Stacey Gavin. How are you, Stacey? Good, thanks, Sam. And he's back from overseas. We're bringing back Spanky for his favourite film of all time. How are you, Spanky? Oh, fantastic. Anytime I get to talk about Pulp Fiction is a good day in my book. Pretty sure I know what your review is going to be, but before we get into that, IMDb have this rated at 8.9 out of 10, Rotten Tomatoes 94%, Metacritic 94%, but what would you rate this movie out of 10,000, Spanky? Um, Well, I gave Hunt for the Water People a clean 10,000, so I've really set the bar there. So (laughs) I I think that um, it's probably 15,000 out of (laughs) 10,000. (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. Woo. Must admit, it's it's a perfect movie. I'd give it a solid ten thousand out of ten thousand. Perfect, a hey guys. I'm gonna go with seven thousand eight hundred and seventy-three. It was pretty good, but you know, there's a lot we could pick apart. Really, I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm a race car in the red. <laughs> I'm Superfly TNT. I'm the guns of the Navarone. So, dearest podcast listeners, me and Spanky have seen this movie close to as many times as you've had hot dinners, so we're probably going to be hearing a lot of quotes. But anyway, if you haven't seen Pulp Fiction, stop this podcast. Go out fucking watch that movie. It is amazing. Okay, now that you've come back, Stacey's going to give you a plot anyway. Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield are hitmen with a penchant for philosophical discussions. In this ultra-hip, multi-strand crime movie, their storyline is interwoven with those of their boss, gangster Marcellus Wallace, his actress wife Mia, struggling boxer Butch Coolridge, master fixer Winston Wolfe, and a nervous pair of armed robbers, Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. So if you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. And it's amazing watching this movie again, how many questions actually get asked during the movie. Does Marcellus Wallace look like a bitch? Do they speak English and what? There's so (laughs) many questions asked during this movie. But we've come up with some of our own. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with our all-play question as we normally do. Okay, so question number one. Treated to an early scene where Pumpkin and Honey Bunny discuss about how robbing a diner is a novel and new idea because, you know, no one in there carries guns and the staff don't really care if the place gets robbed. So spanky. What's another store that you'd probably consider robbing that isn't the usual choice? Another cash industry. It's the sex industry. So um, I, I think that um, I think that robbing a brothel. Like I mean, these uh, you've you've got all of these punters that are coming in that no one wants to have Taronga prostitutes collective on their on their visa statement, and plus they charge you a surcharge for that type of shit. Uh, not that I know, um, but but um, it's a cash industry and it's a 
big cash industry. Funny you say that. That was actually going to be my answer because the other thing too is, were there any witnesses? Yeah, there were, but they've all left. <laughs> <laughs> and none of them want to be identified as being there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you, Stacey Gavin? Okay, my answer's a bit different. I'm going on the angle that the pumpkin and honey bunny discussed of more so focusing on the customers, robbing them, and... I'm going to go with a high-end fashion boutique. So we're talking Beverly Hills here. And I'm going with the technology angle of PayPass. If you get all their um, wallets, they're going to have really high limits on their credit cards. So you just go beep, beep, beeping around town, racking up heaps of stuff on their credit cards. I'm going to go with a racetrack. It's a place where a lot of money changes hands. And on the flip side, if your car gets broken down, there's lots of animals around to ride the hell out of there on. Nice off the cuff. <laughs> nice off the cuff. <laughs> All right, and here comes our last question, number 20. So, Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield discuss about how a foot massage and performing oral sex on a female are well Vincent basically says it's in the same ballpark Jules says not in the same sport ain't in the same league so what do you guys think is a foot massage in the same ballpark as oral no no but it's on the it's on the way exactly out of the movie you're doing it with intention you got I gave a million girls a million foot (laughs) massages and all of them meant something (laughs) you know so all right, now question number two. Okay, so Vincent Vega takes Mia Wallace out on a night on the town. They get back to her place after dancing, and it's clear there's a lot of sexual tension between them. Now, do you think Vincent and Mia would have hooked up? I say no, because I think that Mia wouldn't have, basically. Sure, Vincent wanted to, but Mia would have just stringed him along. I agree. Mia's definitely a tease. And, like, I mean... John Travolta's given himself, or Vincent's given himself the pep talk in the in the bathroom. You're going to go home, you're going to jerk off. That's, <laughs> That's all you're, you're going to do. do. <laughs> like, I mean, probably one of my favourite lines of the whole movie. And and I know that's exactly what he's going to do because he's not dumb enough to cross um, Marcellus Wallace. Fair enough. And it was funny watching that movie because I did notice that he did leave at the end. He said, you know, Mia, I had a great night. I'll see you later. It's been fun. Okay, now on to question number 12. So later on in the movie, uh, Bruce Willis and Ving Rams' character uh, are taken kidnapped and basically subjected to something that no male ever wants to be subjected to. Bruce Willis manages to escape by punching out the gimp and then goes to leave the store. He then goes back to save Marcellus Wallace and he goes through a small collection of different weapons. What weapons would you have used to have gone and saved Marcellus Wallace? Butch went through a bunch of weapons anyway. So he had some good choices there. But I'm going to go with a mixture of of a couple of my favourite nunchaku and maybe electric drill. Oh, that gets brutal. I'm going to go with a weapon from my most hated movie of 2016. And that is Harley Quinn's baseball bat. (laughs) from the Suicide Squad. <laughs> that just, movie's made an impression on you, hasn't it, my dear? It has. Just go real old school on it and bash some people. <laughs> okay, so that's me done for my first set of three questions. On to you, Spank and Why. Yeah, pretty intimidating characters in this, uh, but I'm going to ask the question and put it out there. Which character would you least like to bump into, into a, in a dark alley? I'm going to go with Zed because I don't want him to bump into my dark alley. Who's Zed? <laughs> Zed's the rapist. Oh, God. Soon There's to no be living way. his life in agonising yeah. pain. I don't want that. Rapist. I mean, all the other characters basically have a sort of moral code about them. They're not outwardly going out of their way to 
try and kill people, but those guys just straight off the bat, two guys come in fighting and it's just straight into rape. What about you, Stacey? Oh, that's a lovely face you're making, by the <laughs> way. I'm just going to go with Marcellus Wallace because he's the boss. He's like the big bad guy that everyone seems to like bow down to, so he must be scary. Yeah. What about you, Spanky? What would you have picked out of curiosity? Jules. He's just <laughs> fucking, he's mean. He's just mean. I did think him, but because of his sudden change in, you the know. The last scene yeah, in the diner. They're not scared of anyone. And when they come to kill you. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're finished. <laughs> Is a foot massage good enough reason to throw someone out a window? A seventh story window i believe into some greenhouse into a greenhouse right. glass house at the bottom that's right tony rocky horror fell through that uh no uh, if i came home and found somebody giving stacy a foot massage um i probably wouldn't be that worried about it especially if it was another girl and she was topless <laughs> but what about you stacy i'm approaching this from a different angle if you're the kind of person who's going to throw someone out a window really you must be psycho to start with so yes a foot massage could be something that push you over the edge fair enough so another Marcellus Wallace related question. Um, would you have gone back to save the big fella, Marcellus himself, um, from the Zed and his mate, the hillbilly rapist? If I was Bruce Willis's character, Butch, you know, pretty handy with my fists and have been through what I'd been through, yeah, I would have gone back. But if that was me in real life, fuck no! Gotta be fucking blazing away on that chopper. Mm, I totally agree. I'd be out of there. There's I'm no, a pussy. There's no way I'm getting involved in any in of that. So, yeah, nah, I wouldn't have gone back. Pussies. <laughs> yeah. Spanky would have gone back and joined in. <laughs> tag man, tag man. Okay, guys. Righto. Tell me, which character would have been better if they were an animal? <laughs> See, it's funny. I, I read this question and I had a hard time coming up with an answer. And then it just dawned on me. Marvin, the inside guy in the room that Jules and Vern take away of them in the car I'm just imagining he was a dog whether it was anthropomorphic dog or just a normal dog and then just it would have made Vincent's scene that much more funny when he turns around and says to the dog look you've got to have your opinion do you think God came down and right fair fair, fair enough I'm on the same uh, storyline or the same thread Winston Wolf. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, the wolf. Yeah. The, the wolf. The wolf could quite easily be a wolf. <laughs> well, that's all you had to say. <laughs> so you're the wolf. Oh. Okay, so there's a heap of great songs in this movie, but if you had to narrow it down to just one to be the theme song, what would it be? Oh, easy, Dixdale, Mizzaloo. I can't do it because I can't do the guitar as quickly as they fucking play it. But And mine's not even out of this movie. It's out of another Tarantino movie. Uh, It's out of Reservoir Dogs, in fact. And it's uh, um, George Baker's selection, uh, A Little Green Bag. Uh, The overwhelming thing in the whole movie is what's in the briefcase. So Mm, looking back on the track for A Little Green Bag. Okay, so Quentin Tarantino movies are full of wonderful dialogue. And the first time I watched this movie with you both, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I actually couldn't hear the movie because you were both reciting the entire <laughs> thing to me. So you, <laughs> you definitely know the lines. Let's mix it up a bit. So give a main character a different accent and do a line in it. 
Okay, this one's really hard for me because it seems like sacrilege. <laughs> it, um, it is, isn't and it? it's, it's gonna just a bit of fun. And 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 it's gonna sound uh, racially stereotyped, but here we go. Do you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? A royal with cheese. Oh, <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. That's hilarious, Becky. I'm going to channel one of my favourite Aussie bogans in the entire world, Emma Cody. Hey, how you doing, bud? Good to hear from you. So I'm going to go, Fabian, as an Australian, uh, after Butch <laughs> tells her that he might have broken a rib, she replies, Give me oral pleasure, can't. That is just so hideous. Well done, guys. Okay, so moves me back to my next set of three questions. Back in 1994, this was up for the Best Picture Oscar. So was Forrest Gump. So was Shawshank Redemption. So was Four Weddings and Funeral. And so was another movie that I've completely forgotten. But Forrest Gump surprisingly won the Oscar. Uh, do you two think that this movie or Shawshank should have won that Best Picture Oscar? I'm going to say no, because we all know that the best movie doesn't win the Oscar. Yep. Yeah. And, and much in the same vein, I'm going to go with Stacey and say, no, I wouldn't expect Pulp Fiction to win. It's not the Academy's type of film. Do I think that Pulp Fiction's a better movie than both of them? Hell yes. <laughs> um, 15,000 out of 10,000. <laughs> but did I expect it to win the Oscar? No. So after Vincent Vega inadvertently blows off Marvin's head in the back of the car, they pull into Quentin Tarantino's character's house, Jimmy, and basically get stripped down and put on Jimmy's clothes. They basically look hilarious. Mr. Wolf says to the Jimmy, what do you think they look like? Jimmy says dorks. They look like a couple of dorks. Later on in the car yard, they get asked, are you guys on your way to a volleyball game? <laughs> <laughs> what do you two think those two looks like? I think they look like geeks. Much in the same vein, dweebs. Now, now, I'm, I'm, now that's I'm, a I'm, word I have not heard I'm, in a I'm, long I'm, time. They definitely weren't intelligent looking, which probably <laughs> discounts nerds and probably discounts yeah. geeks as well. Okay, guys, moves us on to my final question. I've been wanting to ask this for a while. Let's settle the argument. Let's settle the debate. A million people have a million theories out on the internet, but tell us, guys, what was in the case? I'm piecing together a bit of what we know only from the movie, not from from fan theories. Is that when the case opens, Tim Roth's character knows what it is straight away. Vincent yeah, knows what it is straight it is. away. Yeah. So to me, that means that it's something that recognizable. I think it could be some sort of religious artifact, and in my mind, it's the Holy Grail. Ooh, that's a good one, Spanky. What about you, Stace? What was it? Interesting. That never crossed my mind. <laughs> So this is a really obvious answer to me. <laughs> Inside that suitcase is a doorway to a parallel universe. Everybody wants to own it, but nobody's going through it. <laughs> Holy shit. That's not what I expected. Okay. Spanky stuns. Well, wow, you've shut Spanky up. And That's it's impressive. bright. Like it glows gold. Like it's bright and sunny on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sam. What do you think was in the case? What I know you're I dying to tell us. Gold's the obvious answer because it glows mm. and it's bright, but gold doesn't. But he says, is that what I think it is? Yeah, it makes yeah. me think it's a thing. Like it's one specific thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Is that what I think it is? The doorway out of here into a parallel universe? Yeah. Though there's another popular theory that it's a Oscar or some sort of award that he's stolen <laughs> for his wife because his wife's an actress and he wants to give her an award. 
I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't really have too much of an opinion. <laughs> okay, carry on. All right. Okay. So we have we're treated to a, a little bit of a scene, and it's uh, Eric Stoltz and Vincent Vega talking about uh, the varying degrees of uh, heroin sold at uh, at the white people who knows uh, house who comes to there. Um, anyway, uh, Choco from the Hans <laughs> Mountains and Journey. It's Madman. Um, <laughs> And um, the one with all he, the shit in her face. <laughs> he says, "Some fucker keyed his car." Now we also have another scene with uh, Vincent Vega and Butcher's character, bit of a an altercation between the two. What you looking at, Punchy? The insinuation might be there that Butch keyed uh, Vincent's car. Do you think that this is the case? Yeah, I do. I subscribe to that theory. But yeah, did Butch just go out into the car park and think, "Fuck it, I'm just going to key some random dude's car"? Although Butch would have arrived there before Vincent Vega and Jules had arrived there. So he would have known who everybody else's car was. If he'd walked out and saw this bright red new car just sitting outside, he would have thought, I know who this car is, and then just thought, ah, oh, fuck it, who cares? Yeah. I mean, if you match them up in your head, it's all my fits. Okay. I'm just going to say yes, and the reason is because Sam told me. Because <laughs> as a newbie, I was watching this movie going, I actually don't fucking care who keyed whose car. It actually has no relevance to the story, so... But yeah. that's the charm. Thanks, that's the charm of a of a Tarantino <laughs> yeah. movie is that that in fact some of the details which are so enthralling have nothing to do with the actual outcome of the movie. Okay, so Butch and Fabian, they're uh, Fabian. Fabian. <laughs> Fabian forgets Butch's watch. We get a whole segment, sort of off the whole beaten track about the watch, really cementing in your mind how important this watch is. Do you think at that stage you would have sent Fabian back for the watch as opposed to yourself? No, but I wouldn't have sent myself. Butch is now rich, as all eight biddies have come in. He's made a little bit of money off his own fight. You know, his odds went up when the word got out that there was a fix. So no, I wouldn't have sent Fabian, but I would have just showed up there, just grabbed some dude off the street and said, hey bro, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you go into that house. Here's the keys, get my watch. And then I would set myself up in a position so that if that guy went in and got found by Vincent Vega, then, and, you know, everything turned to shit, then you would have seen the two of them leaving, give you enough warning to get the hell out of there. Yeah, I see where you're going with that, because my answer would be no, I wouldn't go back for it. Although I wasn't watching it in as much detail as you guys, I could clearly tell that he would be a relatively wanted man after not following through on his fixing of that fight so why would you go back you'd just get caught straight away move mm. on with your life ditch the watch but you're forgetting that somebody's worn that uncomfortable heap of metal <laughs> up their ass <laughs> seven Both years his father and his grandfather even and his more great grandfather even more reason not to go back <laughs> <laughs> obviously uh not watch uh aficionados um having that it was a very first watch made by a wristwatch maker um maybe worth a bit of money too and coming right up, question number seven. Quentin Tarantino, never done science fiction. Picture a science fiction movie, a Tarantino-esque science fiction movie. The Quentin Tarantino sci-fi is Martians Unchained. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I'm already in. I don't care. what the, This is like 10 seconds. Oh, done. Yep, keen. Um, here's my money. Ready. Okay, yep. so what I know about Quentin is that he likes alternate endings to historic things. And so what I'm actually going to do is flip back and give an alternate ending to one of his movies, Django Unchained. The main character, Jamie Foxx, is a slave and he's teamed up with this German dude going back to rescue his wife from slavery, right? 
However, on their journey to pick up his wife, they find the suitcase, which has a doorway to a parallel oh universe. <laughs> so Jamie Foxx and, Ger- awesome <laughs> and the German guy go into this fifth dimension. But inside that dimension, you're not just humans watching other humans. You're actually watching humans that are now Martians as they are inhabiting Mars. These Martians got to this planet because they were passengers who travelled on a spacecraft for 120 years to get to this new planet. Oh my god. So here's the thing. We've also bent time as well as space on this journey. As we all know, all good sci-fi stories. I feel like this is the diary of an insane <laughs> asylum patient. <laughs> no, it's not. And so when they arrive at the planet, who does Jamie Foxx meet? His stepdaughter, who was born on the spaceship on the way over by the passenger who was Jamie Foxx's wife who he was going to discover in the original (laughs) sequence. So his wife had made it onto the spaceship, become a passenger, was one of the ones who woke up early and ended up having a child. (laughs) Wow, you really do have two pages. Oh my God. Act three. (laughs) Okay. Quentin Tarantino, if you're listening to this, this is... So he then teams up with his stepdaughter in an effort to actually go back through time. So how this movie sums up is basically the American Civil War never occurred because all of the slaves on Earth were actually passengers on this spaceship. So as a result, the slave owners were left on Earth and left in a doomed planet with finite resources that are slowly running out and they are about to die. Meanwhile, the previous slaves now live in a utopian paradise with freedom for all. That end. Whoa. (laughs) That was the most prepared I've ever seen you for any question ever, and I've got no idea what to make of that. Yeah, so I'm just going to say Quentin Tarantino directs a Predator movie. (laughs) No, no, but in serious land, great ideas there, Stacey, but look, Quentin Tarantino's done pretty good Western movies. And he's also done some pretty good, like, Japanese kung fu sort of uh, movies as well. Two very famous movies, the original, Seven Samurai, and then the follow-up, Magnificent Seven. How about combining them in space? I'm talking about the Seven Starfighters. And what it is, is a small little outpost on the middle of nowhere in the galaxy, whatever. They're under attack by an intergalactic empire that wants their land... And all they can afford is seven down-on-their-luck starshippers. We're going to have Samuel L. Jackson, of course, in this movie. (laughs) He's going to be the leader. He's going to be the one that survives to the end. He's going to be the one that rounds up these six other roustabouts and basically puts them at war against this empire. Nice. Nice. I'm just going to come out and ask it. Would zombies have made Pulp Fiction better? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) What? (laughs) Look, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on my answer. We had Dustal Dawn, another movie in which Carrington Tarantino stars as an actor, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, The first hour and a half of the movie, or, you know, the first pretty much 90%, it was all a story about two lawbreakers out on the run. And then the last 10 minutes were treated to, holy shit, this is a fucking vampire movie. That wouldn't have worked in Pulp Fiction. All right. So what brand or name in the movie would be a funny name for a sex position well obviously it's the jackrabbit slim <laughs> <laughs> i had two answers for this because I, I figured you were going to take one of them i figured the royale with cheese oh. <laughs> but 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 we're overlooking the real obvious answer here a five dollar shake 
<laughs> How do you want that? <laughs> Bloody as hell. <laughs> oh, brown or white? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The five dollar shake. I don't think I'll elaborate on what goes into the five dollar shake. No, what no, ingredients no, no, are involved? No, no. Okay. But yeah. thanks, guys. I knew you'd have good answers for that. Okay, question eight. Okay, so we love a superhero movie on Nerd versus Noob. I want to know, what character in Pulp Fiction is clearly a superhero in disguise? Well, the answer's obvious. It's Mayor Wallace. Oh, yeah? Mayor Wallace is obviously the the superhero. I like to think of all my superheroes as narcissistic, (laughs) drug-indulgent, and anti-heroes. What's her power? um, She's the best woman in the world with a knife. (laughs) What? Uh, It's a throwback to her TV series. Fox Force Five. Yeah, yeah. If you're thinking about superheroes, one of the things that a superhero can do is take a beating and then get up and keep going. And that's why I'm going to go with Marcellus Wallace. (laughs) Because he gets run over by a car. He gets (laughs) beaten the shit out of by Butch. He then gets... Yes. Okay, that's enough. Like the Black Kingpin or something. Like the Black Kingpin. He then gets thrashed. But then immediately after getting thrashed by another guy... He just gets up and is straight into a couple of pliers and a bow torch. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, guys, that moves us on to our final question. All right, here we go. Lucky number 13. At the end of the movie, Jules and Vincent are in the midst of a conversation about how Jules doesn't eat pork. He And then Vincent replies, what about pork chops? Pork chops taste good. Bacon tastes good. To which Jules replies, Surat might taste like pumpkin pie, but I wouldn't know because I wouldn't eat the filthy motherfucker. Now, what's one common food that a lot of people enjoy that you just turn your nose up and think, no way? And why? Berlin people in China, and they probably all fucking <laughs> like tofu, but I tell you what, I wouldn't eat that shit to save my life, and it's the texture. The yeah. texture of that shit, it's squeaky, it's really squeaky. got no fucking flavour, it may as well be fucking rubber chalk or something. <laughs> I just would not eat tofu, I just won't eat tofu, fuck tofu. <laughs> you hear that tofu? Fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to go with eggplant. Is that because of the eggplant emoji? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all know you don't eat that. (laughs) Yes. Oh, we all know, don't we? (laughs) Yeah, he's he's read my blog. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with mushrooms. Um, Similar to Vince Vega, I went to Amsterdam and I ate some mushrooms and... (laughs) Holy shit, there went 12 hours of my life where I was bouncing off walls, thought I was inside Jimi Hendrix's lung. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't, don't eat mushrooms because I thought I was inside Jimi Hendrix's lung. <laughs> yeah, I was convinced I could see people's souls, everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got to throw this out there as well. Don't eat seafood, think it's insects of the ocean. Not for me. Don't mind fish, but anything out like prawns, calamari, all that stuff, don't know how people do it. Cool, so that takes us to the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, Stacey Gavin, noob seal of approval, we still know. <laughs> Stacey's very gingerly looking. Uh, she's ginger, huh? But Stacey's very, very cautious as she looks at both of us in which to say her next sentence. So I think I can kind of suspect as to what's coming. Hey, look, I'm just being completely honest. This movie is not for every noob out there. 
Okay, and on the other hand, I'm going to say I watched this movie as an impressionable uh, young, what, geez, I would have been 12 or, yeah, 12, years or old, 12 or 13 year old. And I would have at the time called myself very much a noob in terms of <laughs> movie and, and movies and pop culture. And this particular movie has shaped my love and my passion for theatre in general. So watch it. It, it could change your life. I'm with you there, Spanky. This was like a gateway drug for me into all the other film that he's paid homage to. A lot of kung fu movies that I've watched, a lot of early Scorsese, a lot of other films that are part of the rich tapestry that makes up a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yep. All right, guys, so that takes us to the end of our podcast. Coming up soon, Boiler Room. Uh, If you don't remember that film, don't worry, we're probably not going to do it. (laughs) But anyway, there's our usual ones that you can imagine that are coming up. Wonder Woman, uh, Spiderman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say Spiderman. Anyway, guys, that is thanks from me. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much and good night. Tofu, that could be a character in Ghost of the Shell. Sure. Bruce Willis's character, Bruno. Bruce. Yeah, but sorry. <laughs> Bruno. Oh, that's his nickname, goddammit. Well, I mean, uh, bleh. <laughs> Same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seven spaceships. <laughs> Damn it. The what? Seven <laughs> spaceships. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Nah.